We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. fans welcome back to another edition of the irish breakdown podcast it is tuesday december 22nd my name is brian driscoll i'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com and today we're going to talk about a comment that brian kelly made after notre dame's loss to clemson and how i believe that is one of the things that's holding brian kelly back from taking this football program to the next level um and that is a comment he made about chris tyree now look it's just going to be me with you today um, Vince Adario is caught up with some things. He has a very busy, busy day today. He will be back uh, probably tomorrow. We, we were actually going over our podcast schedule for the Notre Dame-Alabama game today. We're kind of finalizing that. Going to have a lot of different podcasts. We're at least six right now. May add a couple more, but uh, he will be back with us. But I, I want to dive right into this. And, and to begin, I, I want to kind of set the stage for what my frustration is. Number one, when we're having this debate, Understand that this is not a comment basically saying, oh, Brian Kelly needs to get fired or Brian Kelly's done a bad job. Here are the facts. Brian Kelly has brought Notre Dame a very long way in his 11 seasons as a head coach. 
Uh, he, he, when even when you look at just what he did the first five years, when you had the ten and the, the twelve and zero season, regular season, the ten and three year, and a bunch of eight and fives and, and you know nine and four type seasons, that was still better than what we had seen in the the you know the the what, ten years before, right? There was still at least a level of consistency. The four and eight season was the anomaly, and it was an anomaly that resulted in Brian Kelly making changes that have taken the program to another step. And that is that now it's like you expect Notre Dame to have 10 wins every year. And that's a great thing. And so uh, we can praise Brian Kelly for the job he's done. But at the same time, this is Notre Dame, right? And at Notre Dame, the expectation is to compete for and win championships. And right now, Notre Dame is not on that level. Uh, we, we can talk all we want about, you know, getting embarrassed on the big stage and those kind of things. But I think there are more bigger picture problems. And one is, you know, Brian Kelly still, uh, I believe, has too much of his hand in, in the, the offense. And I think that the philosophy that he enacts on offense is holding him back. And, and we talked about a lot of different things in our most recent podcast where we broke down Notre Dame versus Clemson, and we dove into some of that. But right now I want to kind of focus on how he treats freshmen at Notre Dame. And in one of the things you have to accept if you're going to have this conversation and have an objective, honest conversation is you have to get rid of the homer takes. Okay, so don't give me the whole, well, Michael Mayer played as a freshman. Look, pointing to the anomaly or the exception does not define the rule. Okay, and when you want to talk about, well, this player played as a freshman, that player played as a freshman, you have to to, to be honest with it and, and give me some context. So one of the things that I'll hear in this conversation is, you know, first of all, my focus is more on running backs and wide receivers. Okay, um, we we've seen th- those are to me the two positions that are easiest for freshmen to play. I don't expect them to play a lot of freshman quarterbacks. I had no problem with Phil Dracovic not playing in 2018. You know, it just it's a different animal. But these two positions, running back and receiver, are positions where freshmen can play. And, and people will point to, well, you know, when you look at uh, you know TJ TJ Jones played as a freshman, and he did caught 23 passes for 306 yards. But my question is, who were the alternatives? Look, look at the other receivers that were on that roster that year. Obviously, Michael Floyd was the number one. You had Theo Riddick. They got a lot of the carries. But after that, you had freshman Austin Collinsworth. You had Barry Gallup Jr. You had John Goodman. I mean, I'm looking at Walk- Bennett Jackson, true freshman. You had Deval Kamara as a senior. He played different position than what, than what T.J. Jones played. You had Daniel Smith. Right, I mean, there weren't the options that we're looking at now. You know, Robbie Toma was just a sophomore; he played a little bit. You know, and then you look at you look at twenty people will point to um, you know twenty sixteen when Kevin Stefferson played as a freshman. Again, who were the alternatives? That entire receiving core was young. You know, you you that they had just lost Will Fuller and Chris Brown and Amir Carlisle. You know, their leading receiver that year, Equinemi St. Brown, was a was a sophomore. Kevin Stefferson was a freshman. C.J. Sanders was a sophomore. Chris Fink was a sophomore. Miles Boykin was a sophomore. Chase Claypool was a freshman. And those guys barely played. You know, and then, and then when you look at it, Kevin, Kevin Stefferson didn't catch a single pass in the first game of the year. I don't think he – I don't know if he played but a snap or two. I, know, I think they threw a deep ball to him, and that was about it. And then he started playing more the next game. Well, what happened in the next game? There was no Torrey Hunter. Torrey Hunter got hurt and got knocked out of the game against Texas – and that's why Kevin Stefferson got his opportunity. And, of course, he made the most of his opportunity, but he had got an opportunity because of an injury. And, and so we, we, we just haven't seen this, this, this team 
stubbornly they just won't play freshman running backs and freshman receivers. And I've had people point to um, using Josh Adams in 2015. Let's not forget again that Josh Adams played that year because because of injuries. You know, he got five carries of 49 yards, rushed for two touchdowns in the first game of the year. Why did he play? Because CJ, because uh, Torian Folson got hurt on the first drive of the game, right? And then after that, he had three carries against Virginia, two carries against Georgia Tech, two carries against Clemson, eight carries against Navy, 13 carries against UMass. Those were in blowouts. He carried the wall one time against Southern Cal for 26 yards, didn't play again. Temple, zero carries. You know, so again, similar to what we see with Chris Tyree, mop-up duty, despite the fact he looked really good. You know, he had two touchdowns against Texas. He had 133 yards rushing and a touchdown against UMass. But he still didn't get those opportunities. And then, of course, C.J. Procise gets hurt. Josh Adams comes off the bench, runs for 147 yards against Pitt, 141 yards against Wake Forest, 168 yards against Stanford, averages 5.6 yards on 14 carries against Ohio State and the Fiesta Bowl. So when you look at it, that opportunity came because of injury. And, and that's where most of these situations have been. And the reality is, by not playing younger players, Brian Kelly is refusing to utilize all the weapons he has in his arsenal. And, and this isn't a situation where I'm saying Chris Tyree should have played instead of Kyron Williams. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that Jordan Johnson should, should have played instead of Ben Skoranek or Javon McKinley. I'm not saying Xavier Watch should have played instead of Avery Davis or Ben Skoranek. What I'm saying is you should have utilized them along with those players, which is what good teams do. Look at Clemson on Saturday against Notre Dame. EJ Williams caught their second touchdown pass. He also had a great one-handed catch in that game. I've watched D.J. Williams come to high school. He's a good football player. He's not better than Jordan Johnson. He's just not. What he got this year is he got an opportunity. And part of it was because of injuries, but also he got an opportunity to play, and he made the most of it. Jordan Johnson never got that opportunity. And I've talked to people that have said, hey, you know, he does some really good things in practice, makes great catches and all those other kind of things. But there's this expectation that a team has to, you know, or a play, young player has to have this full – compliment of the of the playbook on these different things Joe Wilkins earlier in the year after his good game talked about that and he started laughing about it like yeah we have to learn a lot as a freshman and Brian Kelly made a comment in this after the Clemson game that to me really sums up the why the philosophy at Notre Dame when it comes to playing freshman running backs is just not what it needs to be and it needs to change here's what he said after again this is a game where in which Chris Tyree didn't get his first touch, and he only played, I think, two snaps before that, but only got his first touch uh, when the game was 34-3 to in the, in the uh, fourth quarter. His first touch was a catch that went for seven or eight yards, and then his first carry went for a 21-yard touchdown. And this is what Brian Kelly said after the game. You know, Chris Tyree's our, our, our back that we bring in um, when we feel like uh, – Kyron needs Kyron needs a, a, a breather, and he got in there and bounced the play out there. But he's in the rotation, um, and uh, just like he did uh, the last game we played, he, he broke off a 94, 96 yard run. But you know he's not the complete back that um, Kyron is yet, but he will be. He's he's a good back. And that right there, that's the problem. That that's the problem, and it's not, again, this has nothing to do with saying Chris Tyree should have played better more than Kyron Williams. And, you know, I think I could I could make a case that Chris Tyree should have taken some carries away from Kyron Williams for multiple reasons. Number one is to just is because Kyron, so you don't need to give Kyron Williams breathers because he's not getting worn out as much. 
And I think the other part of it is, is Kyron Williams is, is a different kind of back than Chris Tyree. I think they complement each other very well. You know, Kyron Williams had a very good year this year, rushed for 1,061 yards, averaged five point yards per carry, had 12 touchdowns on, on 195 carries. Well, if you look at Chris Tyree, he had four touchdowns on 68 carries. He averaged 7.1 yards per carry. That's pretty good. I mean, 7.1 yards per carry is an outstanding number. <clears throat> and I think one of the one of the responses that I had from, you know, I like to talk about these different things with, with people I know and respect and, you know, try to get some counter arguments to the different things. And one of them was, well, you know, he, he did have that 94-yard touchdown run. And I said, okay, well, you know, that, that still counts, right? But then I said, okay, well, let's take that out. If you take that out, he still averaged 5.8 yards per carry. He averaged more yards per carry than, than Kyron Williams did. But, you know, and he had his touchdowns, he had long touchdowns. I mean, he is an explosive back. The point isn't he should he should play and Kyron Williams shouldn't. The point is you have an explosive athlete, one that is capable of going 94 yards on his second carry of the game, one that's cap- shown capable of against Florida State. We saw it. We saw it against Clemson again on Saturday in the ACC championship game. This is a kid who is, who's got a chance to be a home run threat every time he touches the football. And the fact that you look at him as nothing more, there was two issues I had with Brian Kelly's comment. Um, the first one was you view him as nothing more than a, a breather guy for Kyron Williams. That was a terrible response, terrible answer. And then the second part of it was, well, he's not the complete back that Kyron Williams is. Okay, I, I would agree with that. But that doesn't mean he shouldn't play more. And, and again, it's, it's why does a freshman – have to have a full grasp of the repertoire of the offense before you are able to put him in and find a niche for him. So because Chris Tyree is not the the all-around back that Kyron Williams is yet, you don't play him? And look, we saw this last year with Kyron Williams. But before we get into that, I want to just pause here real quick uh, to uh, to give a word, uh, give a, a moment for one of our sponsors, and that is Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. And that's according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. According to Comscore, 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, look, I've talked to several sources about last season. 
And, and I, you know, there's this mantra going around with Notre Dame fans that, well, you know, Chip Long was mad that Kyron Williams dropped that pass against, um, you know, against Louisville. So he, he didn't play him anymore. And, and that, that's just not true. I've talked to several sources about this and remember Kyron Williams carried the ball four times the next week against New Mexico, uh, and also caught a pass. Kyron Williams played in the first four games and then didn't play anymore. That was not the offensive coordinator's call. That was the head coach's call. So despite the fact Notre Dame was in a situation where they were short on numbers for a chunk of that year, the head coach made the decision to not play Kyron Williams because same reasons we talk about now is they he didn't want to use that year of eligibility. And I still don't understand why you would want to redshirt a running back, but it was because Kyron Williams didn't have the full grasp of the entire offense. And that's just you just you can't operate that way and here's the issue with it okay number 1 is you have to be able to look at a, a player and say okay chris tyree is not the every down back that Carton williams is he is he is better than i think most freshmen at notre dame have been as a pass blocker but he's not a guy you want out there pass blocking 15 times a game right he's not a guy that at this point in time in his career has the the physical strength to be a 15 to 20 carry type of hammer and Kyron Williams wasn't that player last year either Kyron Williams put in a lot of hard work to get his body to where he could be a 15 plus touch a game guy which is what he which was what he was this year but that that shouldn't be the standard it shouldn't be that or you don't play it should be a standard of okay this is who Chris Tyree is and here's how we're going to utilize him. We're going to utilize him as a weapon to be a big play back. And the fact that Notre Dame was so unwilling to do that this year really was was mind-boggling. I mean, when you look at what Chris Tyree can bring to the table, you should say, okay, this guy doesn't have the full package, but you know what? He brings something that we need in this offense, just like Jordan Johnson does, just like Xavier Watts does. And it's one of those things where, you need to say, okay, yeah, you're not going to take away 30 snaps away from Javon McKinley and give him to Jordan Johnson, but you should take away five and then maybe five snaps away from Ben Skoranek and you give those to Jordan Johnson. You know, maybe you take away, you know, five snaps away from Avery Davis and then, you know, maybe another five snaps away from Ben Skoranek and you give those to Xavier Watts because those guys bring a skill set <clears throat> that your current players don't have. And if it was a situation where, you know, maybe maybe the freshmen were the exact same type of player uh, as the as the veterans, then then maybe you'd have an argument. But the fact of the matter is, is Notre Dame did not have a very explosive pass game this year. And you you know, again, pointing to a play here and a play there, those big plays don't equal explosive offense. So uh, otherwise, you say, well, you know, Ben Skronik had a couple long touchdowns against Pitt. Okay. Tony Jones had an 86-yard touchdown run against Iowa State. Are you going to tell me that Tony Jones was an explosive running back? Or was it just against a certain team that plays a certain way? He did something in one game. And that's what we saw from Ben Skoranek. And this isn't a knock on Ben Skoranek. I think Ben Skoranek's a good football player. I just don't think he was used in a way that allowed him to maximize his talent. And I think that's the issue is Brian Kelly has this, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do. And it does, and if and if a young guy can't do it, do do all these things, then he's just not going to play. Uh, and, and I think that's a very poor limiting way of of running your offense. Because look, what's been the biggest issue for Notre Dame in in all these games where they've fallen short in the in the big on the big stage? It's the same story that we've talked about for for years now, and that is the offense isn't 
good enough. It's the offense that holds this team back. You know, they scored th- 10 points against Clemson this time. Th- seven of them were late in the game by a freshman when the game was no longer in doubt. When you look at the, the, the last year against Georgia and against Michigan, the two biggest games of the year, scored 14 points against Michigan. Seven of those came with the second-team offense on the field. You look at Georgia, they scored 17 points, and seven of those points came on an eight-yard scoring drive in which Notre Dame return, picked up a fumble, uh, a special teams fumble, and put it into the end zone. You go back to the 2018 playoff game. They scored three points against, uh, against Clemson. Scored eight points against Miami in 2017. The offense couldn't score enough to beat Stanford. The offense couldn't score enough to beat Ohio State. The offense couldn't score enough to beat Clemson in 2015. And, and honestly, the, the reason that they were able to beat LSU in, in 2017 was be, mainly because of the defense. I mean, Notre Dame only scored, was it, 21 points? And LSU was not an elite team. LSU had similar problems to what Notre Dame had. Ed Orgeron, however, said, we got to change. We They made the change, and then all of a sudden – they have an, a great offense, and I'm not expecting Notre Dame to be what Clem, what LSU was in 2019 because that was just a, a crazy, freaky year, and, and Joe Burrow just had an insane season. But when I look at it, I think there is a, a level of, yes, you need to understand that that who you are is, is not good enough. And the problem with Brian Kelly is because he's so results-oriented, and this is a, a, a complaint that I have, it's, well, you know, we're winning games. You're winning games against mostly bad teams, and and the big win over Clemson now doesn't look as big because it was it was a depleted team. We talked about that, but now you're getting hammered for that game because people are saying, well, they didn't have this player, that player, and the other player, and and they're right, and and so you look at it and say all the all the goodwill you built this year is gone because you got embarrassed on the big stage, and and I'm not saying that Chris Tyree would have necessarily made the difference. We don't know. But in game in these big games against these good defenses, your receivers are having trouble getting the kind of separation that the quarterback is comfortable throwing the ball with. Now that's a, a different argument, and I would I disagree with the notion that they're not getting open. I think it's like I said, it's open to the level that the quarterback is comfortable throwing the ball. That's more of a quarterback issue than it is a receiver issue. But the bigger picture is Notre Dame does not develop the kind of explosive offense needed. And, and, and the, it's, I, I still feel like Brian Kelly is still trying to be Alabama from 2012. The problem with that is Alabama 2012 doesn't exist anymore at Alabama. Alabama's now gone to a completely different style of play because Alabama understands to win in the modern era, you have to be able to score and score a lot. So the Alabama team that we saw in 2012, which was a ball control team with play action passes, throwing a vertical passing game, was a great offense at that time, scored 38.7 points per game. That's not too far off from where Notre Dame is now, but go look at Alabama the last several years. You know, ever since they really made the adjustments to their offense to become more of a, of a, a vertical passing team, they utilize RPOs. They they've really altered their offense in the last three years. They've scored 45.6 points per game, 47.2 points per game, and 49.7 points per game. Those are those are changes. In 2017, Alabama was at 37.1. The year before that, 2016, they were 38.8. In 2015, a year that they won a national title, they were 35.1 points per game. The year before that, 36.9. Uh, 2013, 38.2. 2012, 38.7. 2011, 34.8. They, they won a national championship in a year 
In 2009, they scored 32.1 points per game. In 2011, they won a title scoring 34.1 points per game. 2015, 35.1 points per game. But Nick Saban understood something. He saw what was what was happening in college football. He first started to make adjustments when Johnny Manziel beat him, but then he started to see Clemson coming along, and he understood that this is the future of college football. It is this spread the ball out, attack with the pass game, and, and, and you still need to be able to run the ball. And so that's why these last three years you've seen Alabama develop this just otherworldly pass offense. And it's not because they necessarily have better players. Mac Jones is not a first-round talent. He was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. The receivers that Alabama has are outstanding. But let's not pretend that in 2015 when Alabama was scoring 35 points a game, they didn't have Calvin Ridley and O.J. Howard and, and A.J. Stewart and Robert Foster and you know some other outstanding wide receivers, you know. In 2011, or excuse me, 2009, when they scored 32 points a game, they had Julio Jones, you know. So uh, 2012, they, they, they weren't a 40-point-per-game team, and they had Amari Cooper. So they've always had great receivers. They've changed their offense. The problem that Brian Kelly has is Brian Kelly seems to be too late to react, and then he tries to chase the team that just beat him. And when you look, you have to be more innovative. You have to be more thinking outside the box. And when you look at what teams that are, are doing around the country, they're playing younger players. They're not asking those younger players to know the entire offense. You don't ask Chris Tyree to know the entire offense or Jordan Johnson to know the entire offense. But if you haven't learned yet from what Clemson has done to you, I don't I don't know what 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 we're waiting on here. I mean, when you look at Clemson in 2018 when they beat Notre Dame. They had a freshman quarterback. Now, again, Notre Dame doesn't have a Trevor Lawrence, but, again, it's a younger player. They didn't ask Trevor Lawrence to run as much of the offense then as they do now. They had a true freshman receiver in Justin Ross, who I think caught a touchdown, two touchdowns against Notre Dame. T. Higgins was just a sophomore. Travis Etienne was just a sophomore. You know, And so they had a very young team, and they played to that young team. This year, you look at E.J. Williams, again, a freshman who was not as highly regarded as, as – uh, as Jordan Johnson coming out of high school, you know, the, I mean, again, part of it was that they had some injuries this year. I get that. Uh, but this is a guy that was playing 20, 30 different you know, snaps a game. This is a guy that played, you know, about 200 snaps this year. And so when, when I look at this and, and you say, well, why can that kid play in Clemson's offense, but Notre Dame can't, you know, Jordan Johnson can't play in Notre Dame's. It's the same thing with like the RPO argument. You know, Brian Kelly talks about how difficult it was to, to defend the RPOs from Clemson and from other teams, but then he is just – they won't use it in the Notre Dame offense. And I'm going to wrap things up here in a second, but I wanted to give one more shout-out to one of our sponsors, and that is Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's blue wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, now look, here, here's really where it's at, okay? When you look at what you have in Kyron Williams, 
this is not a situation where I'm saying Kyron Williams isn't good or Chris Tyree is better or don't play Kyron Williams. My question is, and this is the, the flaw, I think, in Brian Kelly's lo- argument, his logic of why he does what he does. Number one, there's really two flaws. Number one is unnecessarily complexion of your system. You know, I've talked about it, receiver. You have to have – you have to, on every play, know three or four different options post-snap, and it creates a very challenging – and it's an NFL type of philosophy that even NFL teams aren't using as much anymore, but it's definitely not something you see with a lot of college offenses. There's a reason Notre Dame generates so few big openings and big plays in their pass offense. And even when you go back to Will Fuller in 2015, Will Fuller made so many big plays because he was a 4-3. He just outran people. You, you, you shouldn't have a pass offense that requires you to have a Will Fuller to create big play opportunities. If you watch the Alabama game on Saturday against Florida, for example, Devontae Smith's a heck of a player. I've argued that he he's a guy that should be in consideration for the Heisman Trophy. Me personally, I would, I would probably vote for Kyle Trask, but Devontae Smith is my number two. And if you wanted to argue with me and tell me you think Devontae Smith should get it over Kyle Trask, I wouldn't put up much of a fight. I mean, they're both outstanding players. And, yes, he's a tremendous player, and he makes some great catches, but I'm watching him, and they're scheming ways to get him the ball, and it's beyond just this is kind of who we are. They move him around the field. They, they, they utilize his skill sets to attack certain matchups week after week. They change who they're going to attack with Devontae Smith. Sometimes they attack with him more of the middle of the field. Sometimes they attack with him more on the outside, and it just depended upon what the defense does. Notre Dame has this very much a we're going to do what we do mentality, and and that's okay to a degree, but what you do needs to be dependent upon how you can attack the opposing team from a matchup standpoint, from a from a weaknesses and strengths standpoint, and then how do you best utilize your own personnel? And when Brian Kelly made the comment he made about Chris Tyree, it just showed the flaw in his logic, which is, you know, you're asking too much of these young players, and in doing so, you're wasting their ability. And, and you can say, well, this is a unique situation. No, it's not. I point to the 2017 game against Georgia. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Notre Dame lost by one single point to Georgia. And they played that game. You had Equinemy St. Brown, a receiver, of course. But you also had Cameron Smith, who was a grad transfer. You had Freddie Canteen, who was a grad transfer. And you had Chris Fink, who was, I think, at that time a junior walk-on. And then you go to uh, who you had on the bench. You had Miles Boykin, a junior, right, but still didn't know the entire offense. You had Chase Claypool, sophomore, very raw talent, and you had a freshman tight end, Cole Komet, that in that game combined for 12 snaps. You're telling me that 10 to 15 to 20 snaps from those players where you took, okay, Chase Claypool doesn't know the whole offense. Uh, Miles Boykin doesn't know the whole offense. But you know what George is doing? Georgia's pressing our, our undersized cor- our receivers. They're pressing Equinemia St. Brown, who's not real strong at the line, and they're beating us up at the line. we got these two monsters here. They don't know the entire playbook, but if they're sophomores and juniors and they don't know how to run a, a hitch, a slant, a comeback, a go route, and a post, then you've done a terrible job as a coach. I mean, I coach at the Division three level. I guarantee you that by the time my freshmen were into the first month of the season, they could run those routes to a way, to, uh, an ability to where if they were freaky talents, they could go out there and play. No, no doubt about it. And we see it all across the country. You know, so, so you see that. And then you look at like the 2018 season and the 2018 game against Clemson in the playoff. Notre Dame's offense could do nothing. And in that game, you had, you had an athlete like Brandon Wimbush on the bench. You had Braden Lindsey on the bench. 
You had Kevin Austin on the bench. You had Lawrence Keyes on the bench. You had Tommy Tremble on the bench. You had some really good athletes sitting on the bench that you didn't utilize. Um, you know, and, and that's the problem. You know, and, and you look at a guy like Lawrence Keyes, for example. You know, last year Lawrence Keyes got an opportunity early in the year when guys were injured, and he played really well. And then he just disappears. And we haven't really seen him since. And it's not like he went into a game and played poorly. He just isn't a veteran player. And there's just there's a system of we want big receivers, and that's fine. But you you know how about using those big receivers and some other guys, which makes it much harder for defenses to prepare and game plan and stop you and those kind of things. And that's the frustrating thing about about what we're seeing from from this offense is you have wasted weapons, you have wasted talent. And when you're when you view a player like Chris Tyree, who has a proven track record for you this year of being a home run hitter, he had a forty plus yard touchdown against. Uh, Florida State early in the season. He had a 94-yard touchdown against Syracuse. This is a guy that has ripped off big runs this year. This is a guy that's proven he can be a big player. If you knew anything at all about him as a recruit, you'd also understand that he catches the football pretty well. And he had four catches this year. Four catches. Kyron Williams was a receiver in high school for longer than he was a running back. And all Notre Dame really did with him this year, and he caught the ball 27 times, was mostly checkdowns. You know, the, the first game of the year, for example, they threw a look screen to him, and he went for 75 yards. Did we ever see that again the entire year? No, we didn't. And there were so many things there that you see other teams doing how they utilize their backs in certain ways. And you've got two running backs that have tremendous talent at receiver and we rarely see it. When when they would use Kyron Williams as a slot receiver, the very few times they did it, it always worked, and then it would create other opportunities. So it really is frustrating to see it, and it's one of those things that's holding Brian Kelly back. My hope is, is that he looks at this and realizes that, you know, we had these really talented players on the bench all year. When you look at the success that Michael Mayer had as a freshman tight end, and then you look at the success – um, that Chris Tyree had when he actually touched the ball. And you you think to yourself, you know, could we have used Xavier Watts this year? Could we have used Jordan Johnson this year? And these are two dynamic football players that have a lot of talent. You, you, if you need to figure out a way to use them. And you could say, hey, you know, Dell Alexander, this, that, and the other receiver or wh- whatever. But this has been going on well before Dell Alexander got to Notre Dame. This has been going on really for uh, since Brian Kelly got here. And until he's willing to look in the mirror and look at his offense the same way he looked at his overall program after 2016, when they got embarrassed that 2016 season, then things aren't going to change. Because the fact of the matter is, when you look at the four playoff teams this year, Notre Dame doesn't fit. They just don't. You know, Notre Dame has a very good offense, a very good defense. There's no question about it. But Clemson has a pretty good defense. Ohio State has has a, a decent defense. Alabama's defense has played a lot better. But you know the difference between those two teams? Alabama scores 49.7 points per game. Clemson scores 44.9 points per game. Ohio State, whose offense hasn't even been that good this year, averages 42.5 points per game. You know how many points per game Notre Dame averaged this year? 35.2. That's down from last year. That's down from the... From when you look at Notre Dame last year, they were 36.8 points per game. They were over 37 points per game when Chip Long got fired. So you replace Chip Long, you bring back 
five starting offensive linemen, you bring back a quarterback that you're trying to push for a Heisman Trophy, you play a schedule that is just terrible in reg- well, good for you, but terrible in regards to quality opponents. Notre Dame and their 11 opponents, they played four teams. Actually, they, let's say 10 opponents, right? They played four teams that had a winning record. Four out of their 10 opponents had a winning record. Clemson, North Carolina, Pitt, and Boston College. Two of those teams, Boston College and Pitt, were 6-5. and five. That's the schedule you played this year. Far from the juggernaut schedules we used to see from the past. So Notre Dame did benefit from playing a pretty soft schedule. There are not a lot of good defenses in that group. And this team still only scored 35 points per game. And that includes scoring 47 in a double overtime game against Clemson. And the reason for that is, is because Brian Kelly has just not adapted to the modern game when it comes to his offense. Notre Dame has the weapons to be a 40-point-per-game team. There's no question about it. And those weapons include Ian Book and Kyron Williams and Javon McKinley and Ben Skronik and Avery Davis. But the fact that you don't utilize Tommy Trumbull more, the fact that you don't take advantage of guys like Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts, the fact that you don't take advantage more of Chris Tyree than what you should have, those are mistakes, and those are mistakes that continue to happen. They've hurt Notre Dame before. I've documented it before, and the exception here and there does not make the rule. This is something Brian Kelly's going to have to fix, and it's going to have to get fixed quickly because next year, you know, we're going to see you next year. We're going to see young players playing next year because they don't have a lot of veterans. Javon McKinley's going to be gone. Ben Skronik is going to be gone. How much are we going to see Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey? I'm curious to see that. How much do we see Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts, assuming they both stay at Notre Dame? You know, so so these are these are questions that are going to have to be asked. And then how are they going to better utilize Chris Tyree next year with Kyron Williams? Or is it just going to be a thing now because Kyron Williams is an established running back, Chris Tyree is going to what? Be relegated to giving him a breather the rest of his career? It, nonsense. This Notre Dame staff is going to have to figure some things out. They're going to have to adapt and adjust and get up the modern game, and that is how they're going to develop an offense that's good enough for them to go out and compete for championships. That's the thing that right now is holding Notre Dame back. It's not a recruiting problem. It's not a talent problem. It's a coaching problem. And if Brian Kelly fixes it, then he can get this thing rolling and he can be a part of taking Notre Dame to that next level.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.